Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You'll be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center's YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our associate and student pastor, Matt Willingham. So good to see you this morning. Want to welcome all of you to our Valparaiso location. Hey, welcome all of you watching online, North Judson, Hebron, our other locations in Wanata and MPH and Westville. Come on, put your hands together and let them know you're nice and awake. So good to see. I ain't going to lie, Pastor, you're right. That looks really weird right there. All three of the families that usually sit there are sick. Hey, Ethan, I need y'all to take your whole row right here, bro. Come on, Ethan. Come sit right here. Give me be my amen corner. There you go. There you go. Hey, Jacob. Jacob and Calvin. Hey, come sit right here, bro. I need y'all right here. There you go. Go be my amen corner. Fill it up. Now, listen, y'all got to amen me if you're going to sit there, though, okay? Because usually that's a good song. That's a strong. Oh, y'all going front row on me. Okay. I thought you were going to go second row at least. I like it. Anybody else want to move? You're more than welcome if you want to scoot closer tonight, today. All right. Never mind. These are the good seats, y'all. Like at a concert, it's like $200 seat. There you go. Okay, thank you, students. Aaron, you in? You in? No. Oh, Aaron, you're coming? Come on, Aaron. Bring, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about, Aaron. Of course. I'm just going to pause. If anybody else wants to rearrange right now, I'm going to let you rearrange. Trey, nothing? My own son? My own son, Mace? Nothing? I cheered for you all night at your basketball game. I got nothing for you right now. All right, all right, fine. All right, no more moving. You can, uh, I'm joking. Here we go. Hey, so good to see you this morning. Aaron, you could at least sit by him. You so far away. All right, I like it. Hey, good to see you this morning. Why don't you take out your Bibles? Go to Acts chapter 16 this morning. This is what happens when they give me the microphone. I just rearrange stuff. And uh, so glad you're here this morning on this Thanksgiving weekend. As we've been, we've been talking all month on appreciation, on appreciate. What does it mean to appreciate the people in your life, the circumstances, the situations, and, and all of those things. You know, you look up the, the definition of appreciation. Webster says it means to be grateful or thankful for. Makes sense, right? To be grateful or thankful for, to appreciate. Like, I appreciate y'all moving right there. I'm thankful that I have beautiful faces to look at now. I, I'm a, you know, you're thankful of those things. But I love one definition. Webster says it like this. It means to be fully conscious of. To be aware of or to raise high, to place the proper value on. Let me say that again. To be fully conscious of, to place the proper value on. Appreciation. To be able to fully look at something and place, in spite of circumstances, in spite of other situations, in spite of things going on, to be able to place value properly on that circumstance or on that person or on that relationship. And when you look at that definition of appreciation, that lets me know I don't have to agree in order to technically appreciate. We've lost that in our culture today. That I don't have to agree with someone's opinions. I don't have to agree with their worldview. I don't have to agree that we can disagree with each other and yet I can fully appreciate them as a human being. I can fully appreciate them as a dad, as a mom, right? I, I can fully appreciate. I, I don't, because why? Because I'm able to, to be aware of and to place high value on that person. Not only do I not have to agree, I don't even necessarily have to be excited about in order to fully appreciate something happening. Um, for example... Valparaiso Vikings won the state title last night in football. Now, uh, state t- champions, right? Come on, that's Val- I'm sorry, Isaiah. I'm sorry. I went to the game and when they played Chesterton in the sexual championship. I ain't going to lie. I was pulling for Chesterton because we got some students that play for Chesterton. But, but they beat Chesterton. They went on. They won the state title. I'm not a Valpo Viking fan. I don't have any students. I don't know anyone on the team. But, but I can look at what they achieved and even being disconnected in any way relationally, and even not even necessarily being excited about their particular team, I can appreciate what they accomplished. Because why? It was a good accomplishment. It was something to do. That's appreciation, being able to place value on. And this morning, I want to take you to Acts chapter 16 as we look at this 
appreciation. What does it mean to be able to fully be conscious of, to be fully aware of, to be able to to look at and to place properly the proper value on, on that person, on that relationship, on that situation. Can we pray one more time? God, I thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy, Lord, for your working hand in our life, for Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins, and because of him, Lord, we can come and have relationship with you this morning. And God, I pray for every mom, every dad, every student, God, every boy and girl who's listening today, God, at every location, God, here at Valpo, God, I pray that you would just open our ears, our hearts, our minds, our eyes to what it is you have to say to us this morning. God, I pray that you would challenge and change every one of us. Lord, let us live different than how we walked in this place. Let them not hear my voice, but Holy Spirit, let them hear you speaking this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, everybody, say amen. Appreciation. I think real appreciation is, is being able to, and I would say even godly appreciation, is being able to, to thank God, to have real appreciation, to be able to be thankful despite what we're going through, despite the circumstances that we may be facing. Because real appreciation means I, I don't have to appreciate the circumstances, but I can appreciate I can still appreciate what's, what, what he's doing in my life. I don't, I don't have to appreciate maybe what I'm experiencing. Uh, and, and really, real appreciation is being able to attribute value. Again, going back to the dictionary, it's being able to attribute value in spite of unwanted circumstances. This morning, we go to Acts chapter 16. And really, the apostle Paul is on this mission trip, and he pins these words in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It's, it's a verse that, that we all quote quite often. It's a verse that, you know, you can kind of quote and get excited about. And, and he writes this in Philippians 1 and 6, and it'll make more sense to you by the end of the message. I'm going to give you my landing point first. I'm going to give you the closing right now. You're going to know where we're going to land. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he writes these words, being confident of this, that he who began the good work will carry it on to completion. How many of you really love that verse? Being confident of this, that he who, who started, he who began the good work will carry it on to completion. And it's so easy to read that verse sometimes on the other side of the completion, but it's the, it's the real appreciation that happens in our life when we're able to believe that verse on when we're standing on the opposite side. And in Acts chapter 16, the apostle Paul, he sets out on his, uh, on his first trip to this city that we're going to read about today, the city of Philippi, but it's his second missionary journey. And if I could give you a little uh, history before Acts chapter 16, he's, he's there and, and he's having a disagreement with his partner of kind of where should they go next and kind of how should they do it and they kind of break ways and one of them goes one way and, and Paul says, well, I'm going to take Silas and we're going to go this way. And they're trying to figure out, okay, where's the next city we need to go preach to? How do I, how, how do I get the gospel spread? And so, so they're kind of like, you know, they have these ideas how maybe you and I would. They say, well, hey, let's try this city. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, that, that, that the Holy Spirit forbid them to go to that city. said, no, that's not it. How the Holy Spirit forbid them, I do not know. I don't know if it was the wind didn't blow on their ship. I don't know if circumstances arose that wouldn't allow them to travel. But, but everywhere they looked, and, and, and he was, you know, trying to find another place to go. Do we go to this city? And the Bible says the Holy Spirit said, no, you can't, you're not going that way. Do we go to this city? No, you're not going that way. And, and, and kind of in a moment, the Apostle Paul, you know, one night he, he's laying asleep. And in Acts chapter 16, he gets this, this, this vision. We'll read in Acts chapter 16, verse 9. It says, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready. Luke writes these words, so he's with the Apostle Paul. Many believe we got ready to once, at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So here's the Apostle Paul. And just by that text alone, we can understand his marching orders are very clear. Would you agree? He knows exactly. I mean, you get a vision of a man saying, hey, come on over here, help us. We need you. I mean, I would say that's probably a sign from the Holy Spirit 
from God said, okay, that's where you got to go. So he wakes up. He goes, guys, I got it. Had a vision last night. I know exactly where we need to be. Load up the ships, uh, put up the sails. We're headed this way. And, and, and so they head out to this city. Now, now what you got to know about Philippi, it was, a, it was actually a very high trafficking trade, trade highway. And so it was a very important city that, that they were about to go visit. The, the city of Philippi was located in ancient Greece on the eastern border of the Roman province of, of Macedonia. It's about 10 miles inland from the coast, and it's a very highly trafficked place that, that would be a great place for a missionary trip because a lot of people went through this city in order to get to other cities. So, so very, very high trafficked, a lot of people going through, and, and the Apostle Paul has this vision. He says, I saw a man begging me to come over here, said, hey, come over here and help us. So this is clearly where we need to go. This is clearly where our mission trip needs to be. This is clearly where we need to go preach the gospel. So here's the Apostle Paul, watch. Without a doubt, he knows his marching orders. Without a doubt, he knows what God has said. And, and, and I think, listen, I wish all the time it would happen like this. Not every time does it happen. I wish every time I tried something that the Holy Spirit would say, no, don't do that. Uh, no, don't, no, don't do that. You know, no, don't do that. And then when I'm like, what should I do? Then we like, okay, go do that. And it was so clear to me. Like, I wish it happened all the time. But it doesn't happen all the time. But sometimes I can say that in my own life, my marching orders are very clear. I know this is what I need to accomplish. I know this is what I need to do. I know this is what God has called me to, to, to do this week. I know what, this is the person God has called me to, to talk to. Like, I know I have those moments. And, and the Apostle Paul, it's one of those moments. So I can imagine, right, just imagine his feeling of appreciation that he woke up. And the Holy Spirit has spoken to my heart. And I know exactly where to go. I know exactly what God wants us to do. Because I've heard him, I saw the vision, and so they set out sail to this city of Philippi. And in Acts chapter 16, verse 11, we pick up the story. And I've entitled my message simply this, it could have been. Because there's some things the Apostle Paul experiences this morning we're going to look at that it could have been a lot of things in his life if he had stopped and allowed it to be. And I can say the same thing for you and I in our life this morning. I know many of us have come in from different backgrounds, different weeks. We've been talking on appreciation all month. And you're like, I'm going to be honest, Pastor Matt. I struggle to appreciate anything going on in my life because of this, because of that, because of strife in my family, because of this going on in my marriage, because of my finances, because I'm, of my job. And we find ourselves struggling with this word appreciation. And we, we, if we allow ourselves to get stuck in these moments of life, it could be something else that God meant it to be. And the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 16, now watch, he has the word, he has the dream, he knows exactly where he should go. And who's he looking for? He's looking for a man, right? That's, that's who was in his vision. Did y'all remember that part? Stay with me. He was looking for a man in his vision. There was a man, he asked me to come over, and he said, come over here and help us. So I know that's where we gotta go. So in Acts chapter 16, verse 11 through 13, it says, from, from Trios we put out to sea and sailed straight, for some other race, and the next day we went on to Neapolis. Why do they name some of these stuff like this in the Bible? From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. Paul's like, I got it, y'all. We're right where we're supposed to be. We're looking for a man. And, when we, and we stayed there for several days. And here's Paul. Guys, we're right where we need to be. Don't you worry. Had a vision, had a dream. We're looking for a man. He said, come on over here, help us. So there's got to be somebody here somewhere. We're going to run into him. So they've been there for a few days. They haven't seen him yet. And on the Sabbath, so now clearly he's like, okay, it's church time, y'all. We're going to see the man. We're going to find out where he's at. He's probably doing announcements. You know what? When we walk up to the temple, he's going to be on the stage doing announcements. I'm going to recognize his face and be like, ooh, that's the man that was in my dream. That's the guy I'm supposed to go talk to. And, and so on the Sabbath, they get up. We went outside to the city gate to the river. Watch what he said where we expected to find a place of prayer. They're looking for a church. And yet, we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. Well, hold up. He had a vision about a man saying, come over here and help me. He shows up, and all he sees is a women's Bible study. I don't know about you, I'd be a little confused. God, um, I had this dream, and you showed me this man begging, and when I showed up, all I see is a woman's Bible study happening on the river. Now, what's so crazy about this 
the reason it's happening here, if you begin to study, it, it was Paul's custom, when you study the ministry of custom, it was very custom on his arrival in the new city, in the new city that he was in. It was very custom for him to go to the synagogue, to the church where the Jewish people were. It was very custom for him to go there first and to preach first to the Jews. However, on his arrival in Philippi, roughly around 50 AD is what history tells us, he finds out in this city, watch out, watch this, that there was even no church. What? Hold up, God. Why did you send me here? And now the crazy thing about there being no church, you got to know something about history at that time. In order to have a church in your city, stay with me this morning, in order to have a church in that city, by custom, you had to have 10 Jewish men, 10 Jewish heads of the house that practiced Jewish, uh, Jewish worship. You had to have 10 of them in your city in order to have a synagogue and a church. So the mere fact they don't even have a church in this city tells me they don't even have 10 men. You're going to get it in a minute. He has this vision. And what it could have been for Paul, it could have been frustration. Because here's my question for you this morning. This is what I'm going to ask. Is what are my thoughts when my revelation and my reality don't line up? Oh, y'all are quiet this morning like everything's perfect. Okay. What happens, watch this, when what God said to you and what you see don't match? He had a vision, let me take you back, of a man saying, come over here and help us. He shows up to this city because there's a man that I'm looking for. And when he shows up, there's not even enough men in the city to have a church. And when he shows up, it's a women's Bible study that he's at. Now listen, ladies, I love you. But if I'm looking for a dude to hang out with and bro out with, the last thing I want to roll up in on is a women's Bible study because I know how y'all talking in a women's Bible study. Y'all be talking about stuff and y'all get emotional and you open up in ways that men, we don't want to be a part of sometimes. I'm just going to be real. Don't act like men. We like sharing feelings. So, so here is the Apostle Paul. I mean, think about how frustrated he could have been. Think about in that moment, hold up. Hold up, hold up. I know it wasn't just bad pizza. I know it wasn't just I stayed up uh, too late. I had a vision, and I know it was from the Lord, and so I redirected our whole trip to get to this city, and what I seemed like I had a revelation about, I don't even see in reality. See, if we are not careful, watch this. If we are not careful, frustration is what will make us look at what we see and we will forget about what God said about our life. Frustration, because we're not seeing it happen like we thought we should see it. I'll give you an example that's very simple. We just had the holidays, and many of you were around family members, right, that, that maybe sometimes, you know, there's a little disagreement or there's some dissension. Maybe some of you, you've got some older kids who are away from the, the Lord. They're not following Christ, and you've been praying for them. And you walked into that Thanksgiving house and that meal, and you probably thought in your mind, you know what, this is going to be the year. They're going to walk in, and they're going to open up their arms to me, and they're going to rush in and just forgive me and say, I forgive you so much. I love you so much. Where I don't know why there's been so much strife against us lately, and, and, and it's going to be like this kumbaya moment, and, 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 and everyone's going to cry, and we're not even going to care about the turkey and the dressing, right? And it didn't happen, and you got frustrated. Or you thought maybe my kids that, you know, aren't serving the Lord and, and, and our relationship has been, dis you know what, this is going to be the year. My kids, I know, I know it. They're going to walk in the door and they're going to say the words I've always longed as a parent to hear. Mom and dad, you were right all along. And I should have listened earlier. Right? I, should, I wish I would have listened 20 years ago. And, and, and I didn't listen 20 years ago, but now I am now. And you know what? I just, I'm going to hang on every word you tell me now. I'll never go against anything. Right? We, we wish, right? And, and because that didn't happen, watch this, we found ourselves frustrated. And we missed out on the fact that for many of you, and for some of you maybe, that it was just a couple years ago, you couldn't even be in the same room with that family member. And now here you are at the dinner table. What am I trying to say is that frustration sometimes will make me miss out that even though God's promises have not been fulfilled, there's still progress happening. That still things are moving. But yeah, maybe, maybe that, that grown child is, is not 
coming back to the Lord yet. But guess what? I was able to sit down at a dinner table and we had a conversation. You know what? Maybe the dissension has not been uh, solved yet and there's still strife. But you know what? Guess what? I was, be able, I was able to be in the same room and not, and not have a cat fight the whole time. That's amazing. That's a win. And we'll allow ourselves, because we, cannot, we don't appreciate what we see, we'll allow the frustration instead of being set in. It's this frustration instead of this appreciation mindset that it, that it makes us see, right? Man, I really thought that this year I wouldn't battle depression during the holidays, and yet here I am again, and my mind games are driving me crazy. I, I really thought that this year, man, financially was going to be different. And yet when I look at my bank account, Christmas is right around the corner, and it still looks the same. Frustration. Apostle Paul knew what that was like. He could have been frustrated. It could have been, I had a vision of, my, of this man, and I roll up, and there's a women's Bible study. But the Apostle Paul, he appreciates still what is happening, and the Bible says that he begins to preach the gospel, and Lydia, we see the first convert in the city, Lydia, gets saved. We know Lydia, and if I had time this morning, I could tell you, Lydia, she deals in purple cloth, which means she's very wealthy. She would actually become a huge partner financially for the Apostle Paul's ministry and for what would happen later on down the road. So, so Lydia gets saved, and because he took, takes it, he doesn't just sit in the frustration. He still appreciates it. He goes, well, listen, we're here. The Bible study is here. We might as well preach the gospel. Let's just see what happens. And isn't that awesome how sometimes if you just don't let your frustration settle and you just lift up the name of Jesus and you just preach the gospel with your life, that he can take a bad instance and he can turn something good out of a bad instance and so he preaches and Lydia gets saved and Lydia's like you got to come stay at my house you got to tell people in my house about all of this and and, and so so now so now like revival is breaking out a little bit they're just showing up and they're just preaching the gospel he's not frustrated but this is what the enemy does is as I know when it comes to the things in my life I'll talk to me this morning because it seems like y'all don't battle any of this so when it comes to things in my life that if it's not frustration that he throws at me, and if that doesn't get me, that then he'll take me to another level, and he'll try to use distractions to get me off course. Because here's the Apostle Paul, and he has this revelation of this man in this city saying, come help us. He shows up. There's this women's Bible study happening. He's like, well, ain't no men in here. There ain't even a church. Not even enough men in the city to have a church, so I don't know. So what are we going to do? We're just going to preach the gospel. Let's see what happens. Lydia gets saved. And then he begins to go on. The Bible says that they go on, right, once again in verse 16. Once again, when we were going to that place of prayer, where were they going? They're going down to the river. There's still no church. They're going back to the women's Bible study. Must have been pretty good. Apostle Paul went back. So they go back to the place of prayer. When we were met by a female slave who had a spirit, by which she predicted the future. The Bible says she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us. She attached herself. She began, she began to basically be a groupie. Everywhere they went, she went shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling us the way to be saved. I can imagine the first time they're like, okay, cool. Thank you for the announcement. I'm going to go preach now. So they go preach. They're leaving again. Here comes this girl. Follow them. These men are servants of the Most High God. Tell us where to be saved. All right, I got you. Heard you the first time. Appreciate you. Don't need you shouting it every time I go. Every day. How many days was it? I don't know. It was many days, the Bible says. Several days. That's more than two or three. I don't know. Two instances I've done it already. That's already annoying to me. So I can imagine... These men are servants of the Most High God telling you the way to be saved. All right, cool. Thank you. That's the third time you shouted it out. Hashtag preacher. Put it on my Instagram. Do something. Like make a video. Throw it on TikTok. But stop screaming, please. And so what was happening, right? Now watch. Now we know that this woman, this young girl has a spirit. She's demon possessed. And yet, but this is what's so perplexing. It's a spirit. It's a demon. And she's still proclaiming something that's true but she's doing it in a distracting way. And doesn't the enemy work like that? That distractions oftentimes aren't lies in our life. They can be the truth that he just uses at the wrong time. They can be realities that are happening. She, what she was, was she saying the truth? Absolutely she was. But it was coming from a place 
that was not pure. It was coming from a place of evil. And listen, the enemy will do the exact same thing in our own life. And so he will begin to come and he'll begin to use things in a way. He'll begin to distract us. And it doesn't have to even be lies. It can be reality. Well, I thought, I thought by this time your relationship would be different with your kid. I thought by this time forgiveness would have been a lot easier in your life. He'll even do it in worship sometimes. Come on, you ever find yourself in worship? You're trying to worship and your hands are raised, and then your, my, my mind does this, and it starts thinking about, oh, snap, you got this meeting tomorrow. Don't forget about that. Oh, you need to email this person. Oh, snap, did you check your fantasy football lineup? You got the right lineup in this morning because you got to win today. Like, like, that's what my mind does. Don't look at me like you're so spiritual, and y'all come in here, and you're like, yes, Lord, I'm here. My, my, my mind is on you. No, what does he do? He'll begin to use things in our life, right, and begin to distract us in the ways, right, because he's trying to get us to, to not appreciate and to not value the moment that we're in. So here is this young lady, she's following. Some people think it's to gain her own credit. Some people think, again, she's, she's saying the truth, and, and her handlers were basically saying, yeah, like, if you say, the more you say this, the truth, people will follow you even more, so therefore we're going to make more money. So it was kind of selfish ambition that she was really saying what she was saying, but she allowed herself to be cling, uh, cling on to them and follow them around. And the Apostle Paul, I, I can just imagine... Day after day, these men are servants of the Most High God, tell you where to be saved. Waking up every morning hearing that, that'd be annoying. Last thing you go to sleep, these men are servants of the Most High God, tell you the way to be saved. Like, can somebody please shut this woman up, right? And, and so here it is, she's clung herself on to them, she's following them around. And, and I look at that, and listen, I wrote it down in my notes like this, you can jot it down. What you allow to cling to you will determine the fulfillment of God's call in your life. Meaning, watch this, it will determine how much I enjoy the journey I'm on. So, so my question for you and I is, what, what are my reactions when the devil is trying to stop what God is doing in my life? What is my reaction when he's using these distractions, when he's using these frustrations? Because things are not progressing like I thought they should. Because my mind is wondering. Because the things have attached themselves onto me. And oftentimes the enemy will do what he, can, what he can to get us so distracted that we lose our composure. Maybe not physically, outwardly, but we lose our composure spiritually. We, we lose our composure, composure mentally. I, I was so frustrated and distracted just a couple weeks ago, or maybe a week ago, you know, I, I remember when we gave, I was telling the first service, I remember seven, seven or eight years ago when we started dreaming about the Sunshine Center. You know, we started thinking about it and dreaming about it, and it began to get larger and bigger. And then I remember two years ago when, when we were like, it was now almost two years ago when we officially kicked out the door and said, this is what we're doing, this is where we're going, this is what God wants us to do. And, man, I remember I'm like, this is it's God's dream, $15 million. It's probably going to come in the offer place Sunday morning. We're going to build ground, break ground Monday. This is going to happen, right? And, like, everything is going to be so good, and, and it didn't happen that quickly. And I'm like, man, what's going on? And, and, and then we, we were in a meeting, and, and I've been a privilege to sit in some meetings, and, and I appreciate, like, county people and everything that they do because they're so awesome, and I love the rules and everything that people have to make our county so beautiful and all of the stuff I should say in case they're watching. It's so awesome. And so we're sitting in this meeting, right, and, and listen, it's an important stuff, and, and I walk out, and I'm so frustrated. I'm like, man, this is just stupid like what happened to like when it's just your property you just build what you want to build nobody say nothing about it. like can we not do that anymore and they all laughed at me and they're like listen you don't get it do you and so and I my mind was just wandering I'm like man now we got to do this and do this and do this and all these distractions were popping up and pastor and then Joe who, who the gentleman from from BGW who's on 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 our team and helping us they they, they just kind of like started talking amongst each other and I was listening and they started talking more though about the progress that was being made and my mind shifted, I focused from all the distractions, and I started looking more about the progress, and it made the meeting that I was in feel totally different than how it did when I walked out that room. I wasn't discouraged. I wasn't frustrated. I wasn't distracted. I appreciated it. I'm like, man, I appreciate what they said. I appreciate the direction that they're giving. I appreciate that they're making it, you know, and holding their hand through this process. See, the enemy wants to use these distractions to make us lose our, our composure, he'll use these diversion tactics. These diversion tactics that we begin to use and as we're going about our life. And ultimately, that's what happened. 
continue on in the scripture, the Bible says that finally Paul became so annoyed. These men are servants of the most high God telling you the way to be saved. Would you just shut up, please? He's so annoyed. One translation says, though, that he's really grieved. And he's not necessarily mad or angry at her. He's mad at the people that have been abusing her and misusing her and making money off her because of her, because of her experiences and because of what life has done to her. So the Bible says that he's so annoyed that he turns and he says to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. What started out as distraction, he flips the script and he turns it into a deliverance service. I love it. He says, I, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. Now you're probably thinking, okay, snap. This is when it's about to pop off in the city, right? I mean, he shows up. He's preaching the gospel at a women's Bible study. And Lydia gets saved. He goes to her house. He's preaching day after day. There's this demon-possessed girl. She shows up. She's trying to be a distraction. She's proclaiming things that are true in the wrong way. And yet, and Paul looks around at her. He goes, in the name of Jesus Christ, I set you free. The spirit leaves her. She's set free. Oh, man, it's about to get lit. It's, the whole city is about to bust out in revival. No, nope, that's not what happens. That's not what happens at all. If you go on, the enemy, if he can't frustrate you, the enemy, if he can't distract you, this is what he'll do. Then he'll bring opposition against you. Talking about appreciation. Because the Bible says in verse 19 that when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. We know they begin to beat them. Verse 22, the crowd, I'm just going to skip down. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. The magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been so severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in an inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Again, go back to Acts chapter 16 earlier. Paul, the apostle Paul, he has this revelation of this man standing in Macedonia in the city begging, saying, come over, come help us, we need you. So he's like, hey, set sail. This is our next missionary trip. This is where we're going to go preach the gospel. He shows up in the city. There's not even a church. There's no men. There's a women's Bible study. He says, all right, I'm not going to be frustrated with what I have. I'm going to appreciate there's people here. I'm going to preach the gospel. Lydia gets saved. And as Lydia gets saved, he's now continuing to preach. Now this girl comes, begins to distraction, begins to bring distraction in his life. He sets her free, right? He's just doing what God has called him to do. And now he finds himself in a place of opposition. We know the story. If you've read it, they're in jail. In history, if you study Roman prisons, had three compartments. There was the first one called the Kiminora, which had light and fresh air, kind of like the surface level. Didn't really have bars or anything. It was a very surface level, surface level prison. Just had guards that watched over. The second one is where we get the word interior in our in our English language. Is what it was called. The second level was a little bit deeper and. And this one had strong iron bars and it had locks. But the third place is, is really the word, and when you study that, it really means it's a dungeon. And, and this third prison, the innermost part of the prison, is really where they put you just to die. They would beat you and throw you in there. And the only time they expected to see you, Calvin, was when they pulled your dead body out the next morning or the next few days. They would just leave you there to die. Archaeologists, archaeologists discovered a place that they think it looks something they think it was this was the place. Imagine this place, that there would be a prison built on top of this after they've excavated and they've done some things, that this would be a prison with multiple layers sitting on top. If you go to the next slide, they can show you. It says prison of St. Paul there. They believe this is possibly uh, in the city of Philippi that is there today. Go to the first slide again. They, they, they believe this is the place. Imagine a place being there on top, two levels on top, the innermost prison. This is where Paul and Silas find themselves. And I'll be honest, this is the part that I really struggle with. I'm okay when I face opposition and it's my fault, right? Come on, anybody ever had a bad day and it was your fault other than me? Come on, let me see your hand. Anybody other than me, like other than me? Uh, anybody ever, ever face some circumstances and you're like, snap, if I would have listened to God, I wouldn't have went through that, right? Like you know God said something and you did the opposite and yet then you experience pain. 
I'm okay with that opposition. I get that sometimes. They're like, well, of course, Matt. You as an idiot did things your own way. You didn't do what God told you to do. Of course you're going to face some pain. But get this. The Apostle Paul and Silas are here at this place. Why? Because the Holy Spirit sent them. So here's my question for you. What, what is my response when it is my obedience that has me in an uncomfortable place? What, what is my response? Is it appreciation? Is it frustration? Is it that I allow myself to be distracted? Is it I allow myself to be bitter? Is it I allow myself to be angry? When I'm doing exactly what God has told me to do, and yet I'm still facing a battle. The cell that they're in, you begin to study, they would put two by fours, and they would, they would actually literally stretch themselves out. I can't even, I'm not even limber enough to do this. They would stretch themselves out in a very painful and uncomfortable way, and this is how they would be sitting in this jail cell. They weren't just balled up in a corner, but they were stretched out after being beaten with rods, not, not a whip, but with something that was about the size of a two-by-four, many, many uh, historians believe. They beat him with something about the size of a two-by-four, and now they're being stretched out in this inner dungeon in this city, no, in, this, in this cell. There's no light. It's top security. Their, place have been, their feet have been placed in stocks. What, what is my response when my obedience has put me in an uncomfortable place? Well, what is my response when I'm being faithful as a mom and a dad? When I'm being faithful as a husband and a wife? When I'm being faithful as a student? What, what is my response when I'm forgiving and the other person is not forgiving? What is my response when I'm letting go and I'm being obedient because this is what God told me to do and I know what the word says about forgiveness. I'm being obedient and I'm letting things go and yet they walk in the room and, and, and they still hold a grudge. Well, what is my response when I'm praying for my kids to come back home and to come to know Christ because now they're adults and they've fallen away or now they're in college, they've fallen away or now they're in high school and they've fallen away. I mean, when they were little babies, I didn't ever think they would ever give me this much frustration. But now here I am and I'm trying to raise them and I'm trying to help them. What is my, my response when I've done everything I've been told to do and yet I still find myself in a dark place? You, you would think you would see frustration more in his life. You would think you would see, I'm going to be honest, you would think you would even see some confusion, like hold up, God. I mean, we were trying to go here and there and here and there, and you said no, and you gave me the dream. I saw this man, and he said, come over here to Macedonia. I get here. I haven't even seen a man. I've seen women everywhere. There's a Bible study. So we preached. I, I did what you told me to do, and there, Lydia gets saved, and, and then this girl shows up, and she's got a demon, possess, uh, a demon possession in her, so I set her free. And, and now I find myself being unjustly persecuted. Because what we know, if you let it later read in the scripture, that, that Paul is actually a Roman citizen. So, so not only has he faced opposition, but, but really he could, he, could, he could even say he's faced discrimination. He's been wrongly treated, the Bible says. They try to put him out. He's like, hold up. No, no, no. You beat me in front of everybody like I was nobody. You're going to apologize. In front. Like, like he, he made some things right. So there's a lot of things. And despite, watch this, and despite all of this pain, Despite all of the things that he could have been frustrated about, despite all of the distractions that he had faced, despite all of the opposition that he now looks at, Paul and Silas, can I talk to you about their action? It's something different. Something happens inside of their life. You know the story if you've ever read it. Acts chapter 16, verse 25, it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns what to God and the prisoners were listening to them about midnight how did they even know it was midnight it's dark they're in a dungeon they don't know what time it is they've been beaten they don't even have a prerequisite that this is what you should do when you're in jail he didn't have like a how-to when you get falsely accused and put in prison. How-to, what should I do? Well, according to rule number two here, 
Silas, if we start to sing, then guess what? The Holy Spirit's going to come, and there's going to be an earthquake, and we're going to be set free. So you know what? Let's start singing. He had no how-to. He had no, he had no, like, what to do in that. Simply what was already, watch this, what was already inside of him in a moment that, that could have been frustration, in a moment that could have been distracting, in a moment that he could have been upset because he faced an opposition, what was already inside of him began to come out. Because the Bible says they begin to praise and sing songs to God. So write this down. This is what I come to learn and I see in his life is that my circumstances don't have to determine my song. Because they're in jail. They're in a dungeon. They've been falsely accused. They don't even know if they're in the right place now. I mean, we haven't even seen a dude yet. And now here I am in jail. And yet they begin to sing a song of praise. They begin to lift up their song, uh, uh, their voice in adoration. They begin to appreciate not the circumstance that they're in, but the God who is still in control. And I've come to remind you this morning that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you are facing, that in, a, in an attitude of appreciation, that I don't even have to like what's going on around me. I can be in a dark place and not understand it. I can be in a place where I don't even see light. I can be in a place where I've lost all sense of time. But when my attitude and my mind goes upon God, when my attitude and my mind goes upon who he is, that a song will begin to well up in my heart. A song will begin to well up in my life. And I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to have it all together. I don't have to know what's going to happen next. But I do know that God is still in control. I do know that he's still got me in his hand. I do know that he is still the one who has sent me. And when I begin to watch, when I begin to get that, oh, a song of appreciation comes out. Watch, not of the circumstance, not of the situation, but watch of who was still in control. They they were singing. They weren't singing about what was going on. They weren't singing about being in jail. They were singing about a God who still had his hand on their life. And, and you know the story, right? Watch. You know the story about midnight they're singing. Suddenly there was a, such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prisons were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up. Now watch. Oh, first service missed it. See if you get it. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison's door open, He drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Come on, Lindsay. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then, watch, brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Did you see it, Richard? Paul had a vision of a man. said, we need you to come over here and help. Paul didn't see a man until right there when the jailer shows up. The very man, watch this, the very man that he had the vision about that he was supposed to go see, he would have never saw had he not been in that jail. He wasn't at the Bible study. He wasn't in church because there was no church. He wasn't with the crowd of people that was following him around. He wasn't with the people that beat him. He was right there in jail. And and, and you know the story. If you've ever read it, go read it this week. Acts chapter 16, the jailer takes him home because you got to come to my house. He he goes home and and he tells everybody what has happened. And Paul and Silas, he washes their wounds. He begins to preach to the house. The whole house gets saved, y'all. Now, there wasn't even 10 men in the city yet to have a church. Now the whole household gets saved. And when you study it out, he doesn't just mean his wife. And his kids, he means that there was probably brothers there, there was uncles there, that he brought everyone. The extended family came over. The whole household gets saved, and everybody gets baptized that night. Now watch. He has this vision. Paul, at any point in time, he could have said, you know what? I'm frustrated. I'm done with this. I'm turning my ship around. I'm going, I don't even see a man. I'm at a women's Bible study. I don't even know why we're here. He could have been frustrated. But no, he appreciated who he had. He began to preach the gospel. He, he faced distractions. He could have got discouraged, but he didn't. He, he faced opposition, but they began to sing songs. See, what it could have been, it could have been frustration. It, it could have been distraction, and the work never happened. It could have been opposition, and that was where it ended for him in jail. 
But what it was, now I got to take you back to Philippians. I got to take you back to my ending. To Philippians chapter 1. When he writes. Now he's writing the letter. And who is he writing the letter to? He's writing the letter to the church that is now there in Philippi. Lydia, we know church history tells us she was the first convert. Who was the second convert? The jailer and his whole family. So now there's a church in Philippi. And watch what he says. I want you to stand. It's on the screens. He could have been bitter. He could have been discouraged. He could have been frustrated. And Philippians chapter 1, he writes a letter to him. He writes a letter to the church of Philippi. And it's the church, and if you study, it's the first church that Paul founded in Europe. This would be one of the major churches that would actually start the spread of Christianity all across Europe, this city, this church, this place. Lydia's conversion was the first of three significant events. The second was the exorcism of the girl with demons, right? Then the third was the jailer. So he writes a church to Philippians. About 10 years later, history tells us. And oh, by the way, he's roughly 800 miles away. 10 years had passed. And guess where he's at? He's in jail. <laughs> in chains. And I can imagine as he's sitting there writing this letter, oh, snap. I can imagine him saying, oh, I remember when I was in jail. Philip, we sang a song. And I can remember, too, he's like, what was the name of that song again? See if it works. I don't know. I don't know maybe if he did that. But he's like, I, I remember that. And he begins to reflect. And watch. To all God's holy people, Philippians chapter 1, and Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Watch what he says. Grace and peace to you from our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. What? Hold up. Paul, this was the place that you showed up, and there was a women's Bible. This was the place that beat you. This was a place that wrongly put you in prison. And every time you think of that city, every time you think of that place, you thank God for it. Oh, what a value of appreciation. That he's not frustrated. He's not caught up in the distractions. He doesn't think about the opposition. He says, every time I thank, every time I thank my God, every time I remember you. Now watch. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with bitterness. Is that what he says? Come on, it's on the screen. He says, every time I, my prayers for you, I always pray with regret. Is that what he says? Come on, he says, yeah. He says, every time I pray for you, I always pray with, come on, I always pray with, oh, talk about an attitude of appreciation. That this was a place, man, that, I mean, he was on God's assignment and yet obstacle after obstacle, moment after moment. And now when he reflects, as he's looking back 800 miles away, 10 years later, still in chains for the gospel. He says, when I think of that trip, oh, oh, I pray with joy. Because I thank God I showed up at that women's Bible study. Because I had I not showed up at that women's Bible study, I wouldn't have met Lydia. And had Lydia not get saved, their, their finances would look a little bit different in ministry because she was a great supporter. And had I not had her saved, then, then I wouldn't have been able to go back to the Bible study again. And had we not been going back to the Bible study, we wouldn't have seen this demon-possessed girl. And had we not seen her, we wouldn't have been able to set her free. And had we not set her free, we wouldn't have been wrongly punished. And had I not been wrongly punished, and in a dungeon, I may not have met the jailer. And had I not met the jailer, I wouldn't have been able to meet his family. And had we not met his family and save his family and baptize his family, there wouldn't even be a church in Philippi. Oh, what appreciation. Because watch, now he goes on in Philippians chapter 6. Now this means something totally different when you know the story that he's writing this. He says this, being confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Being confident of this, that even though you get frustrated, even though there are distractions, even though you may face opposition, that the same God that started you in this race is the same God that will 
finish you in this race. That if I keep my attitude and my eyes, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it won't be difficult. But if I keep my heart in a heart of appreciation, if I keep my heart in a heart of appreciation, not of what's going on around me, but I appreciate my Heavenly Father who's got me. That despite the dungeon I may be in this morning, despite the darkness I may be facing, despite the distractions, I may have come in this morning frustrated, but I have a God that I still in control of my life. I can be appreciative. Watch it. I can be appreciative. Okay, what is appreciation? It's to be fully conscious of. To be able to place high value in. I, again, I remember, I, I know I've shared a story before about, about David Walters and his family that was here. I remember too right before post-COVID, I didn't share this in the first service, our student ministry was just, it was a tough season, y'all. You can ask our leader, ask our students, some of them that's on the front row was here then. Man, there'd be nights, I ain't gonna lie, y'all, there'd be nights I'd go back, I'd go home on Sunday night and be like, listen, I don't know if this is for me anymore. Maybe I don't need to be the youth pastor. Maybe youth ministry's not for me. It's just not clicking. And it was right before COVID. It was just tough. It was a battle. And I, I remember right before COVID, Right, it was, just, it was just like nothing was moving, nothing was shaking. Yeah, we were in schools, things was happening, but it was just no fruit. Not, not, I was like, man, God, what's, what's going on? And I was frustrated. I was very frustrated. And then COVID happened. So as if it could not be bad enough, then COVID happened, where we shut it down. And now I'm like, well, we definitely ain't getting no new students now, because <laughs> ain't nobody going nowhere. And we started to do some things, and you know, we'd have some on the stage. and Just humor me. Let me share this story. We had some, we'd bring some students. Some students would come over. And I ain't going to lie, y'all. It, it, was, it was always the same 20 or 25 students, wasn't it, Ethan? Always the same, right? And I ain't going to lie. There was a couple times I looked at them. I go, I ain't going to lie, y'all. I'm tired of seeing your face all the time. <laughs> I was like, we need some new, I want some new faces. I was frustrated. Things going on around was distracting, right? And I remember one day I was praying and God said, if you'll stop complaining, he goes, if you'll use this time to build up those core students, if you'll use this time to pour in these students, when things pass, when things open up, he goes, you're going to see a harvest. I changed my mindset. Wasn't easy. I changed my mindset. We began to hang out with those students and be more intentional. And listen, it was, and I kid you not, ask people in our student ministry, ask, ask our leaders now, at the moment we came out of COVID, it was like a flood just opened up in our student ministry. Like just students coming out the woodwork, guests all the time, people getting saved. But I mean, this past year, fall retreat, we took the most students we've ever taken to fall retreat history ever. Like it was just, it was just, it was just like the floodgates open. And watch, what? I, I don't think it was anything necessarily that I did different as much as my mindset, I began to appreciate what God had right in front of me. And, and I wonder in our own life this morning, I wonder where is it that you're at? That maybe you came in and you find yourself and you're frustrated. You find yourself and you're distracted. You, you find yourself and you're, you're facing opposition and you're letting all of these things distract you from the God who is still in control. That what he said, that he who began the good work. I can imagine. I wonder what his reaction was. I know he was in pain. I know he had wounds. But I wonder the first time he made eye contact and they called for the lights and he could see that jailer face to face. I wonder if Paul was like, that's the guy. You're the reason I came here. I bet everything that he went through was worth it instantly. Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click the Give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.